0: Well, good morning, everybody. Some of you are like, who is this? This isn't the normal guy. Well, that's right. I am Thaddeus, and uh, I'm going to be speaking this morning. Good to see you all. Let me just get a couple things out of the way right off the bat, all right? So I am originally from Canada, so there are going to be some words that you will hear that sound different. Don't judge me. I might refer to something in a different way, like, for example, a winter hat or a beanie, I call a toque. Um, I'm not going to be talking about a toque, so I don't even know why I brought that up. But, anyways, there's going to be things, maybe the word about. You might hear a boot. I don't actually say a boot, I say about. But, anyways, I just wanted to clear that out of the way so that at the end of this morning, I didn't have 900 of you coming up to me and saying, You sound different. Where are you from? So, I'm from Canada. Uh, Moved here uh, just last summer. Uh, And the second thing that I want to get out of the way is uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Two of you are really excited about that. Um, Super Bowl Sunday is like a national holiday for me. It is uh, one of the greatest days on the calendar year. And some of you are like, I hate football. I'm sorry to hear that. I'll pray for you. But I have my, um, my football socks on. So I'm, I'm ready to rock. I got some wings that I'm going to be barbecuing later on. I had food poisoning earlier this week. I'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'm really glad that that has passed so that I can just focus on the Super Bowl spread tonight. But really wanted to get those things out of the way so that we could move on with our morning. But I'm very glad that you are here with us today, whether you're sitting in the building with us or if you're watching online, welcome to those of you who are doing That, But we are going to be, uh, or sorry, over the last couple months, I should say, we've been going through this book together as a church called The Life That You've Always Wanted, The Life You've Always Wanted. It's a book by a guy named John Ortberg. And we've been going through this book focusing on one chapter a month. And basically the premise of this book is that there are different spiritual disciplines or habits or practices or actions, however you want to call it that help shape and form our lives to become more like Jesus. And it's important that we take time to look at these things because this really builds a structure for your life and for my life so that we can grow to be like Jesus. And so a couple months ago when we started we focused in that first month on the spiritual discipline of celebration, of taking time out of our lives to celebrate that which God has done for us, celebrate moments, celebrate seasons, then we talked about slowing or, or, or resting or, or Sabbath as it's referred to. And just this idea of taking pause and resting despite the busyness and the chaos of our lives because it's in those moments of, of rest and pausing that God actually pours back into our lives. Then last month we focused on the spiritual discipline of prayer. And this month, over the month of February, we've been talking about the idea of serving or servanthood. And today we're going to be in the book of Philippians. We'll be jumping around throughout the morning. But if you want to turn to Philippians in your Bible or if you have a a Bible app you want to get that up, you can. But I want to read Philippians 1, verse 1, just the first half of that verse. And it says this. It says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. It's a pretty strong start from Paul, slaves of Christ Jesus. But as we continue this morning, what we see with Paul starting with such a a strong start is that he's really laying a foundation as to the depth of the life of service, the life of serving others that God and that Paul is calling us to. Now, As we look in God's word this morning, I I believe a couple things are going to happen. I I believe that we're going to begin to develop a healthy biblical view of serving. I believe that God is going to pour his spirit on our hearts and our minds so that we are going to be able to embrace lives that serve outwardly, not lives that are focused inwardly on our own fear or selfishness or pride, but rather using our gifts, our talents, our abilities, aiming those first and foremost to God, serving him, but then also serving people around us. And so I want to encourage you, whether you would say, you know, I've been following Jesus for uh, 100 years, I've been following Jesus for five years, or maybe you're like, I I don't really know where I'm at in terms of this whole following Jesus, serving him with my life thing. Or maybe you're somebody that says, you know, I really love serving others. That's just, you know, I I, I feed on this, this idea of being able to serve others. Or maybe you're like, I can't stand the thought of, serving somebody else, it's all about me. I I don't care where you are at this morning, but my prayer is this, that you'll set everything aside, and that you will at the very least open your heart, just so that if God wants to say something to you about this idea of serving, that you would be open to hearing what he has to say to you. And so Jesus, as we continue this morning, I pray that You would do just that, that you would allow us to be open, that our hearts would be receptive, that our minds would be attentive to what it is that you have to say to us, Lord. And you know that I've prepared some words to say and some ideas to share, but God, ultimately, these are your ideas. And so I pray that you would be the one who speaks, Lord, and that you would use me. God, help me to step aside. May you be the one that we focus on this morning. And as we grow together, Father, I pray that you would send us out into our community as a body of believers that we would be ready to serve for the purpose of bringing your kingdom here to this earth. And so God, be with us for the duration of this morning, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me do just another brief kind of intro as to who I am, where I've come from, how I got here. As I said, my name is Thaddeus, and I am married to Christy, and our son's name is Micaiah. Not to be confused with the Brantner family, with Christy and Micaiah. Different Christy, different Micaiah. But um, but yeah, so Christy, she got hired at the hospital here in town uh, the last summer and began working uh, in September. And so we moved here uh, just beginning of July. We were back in Ontario visiting family for the summer for kind of the first time in a long time because of uh, the pandemic and the border situation. But we've been here since about August, really settled in and Loving Life in Huron. Um, We kind of had bounced around for the previous, you know, almost seven years Christy and I have been married. We kind of bounced around for a lot of that as Christy was doing some schooling and uh, clinical rotations. And for the three years before we were here in, before we ended up here in Huron, we lived in Michigan, and that's where Makai was born. He's going to be two in March, in in almost a month. Um, And I, for kind of on and off since 2012, I have worked at churches, working mostly in student ministries, and, uh, and so we were in Michigan at a church there, and I was running a middle school program, and uh, and that is how we have arrived to this moment in time. Currently, I am a stay-at-home dad. I'm just hanging out with my Micaiah all the time, uh, a stay-at-home fad, if you will. Uh, some have referred to me as such, but I, I want to share kind of a, a really interesting encounter that I had with Micaiah actually just a couple days ago. uh, I I was working in the kitchen. I was putting something away or or cleaning some dishes. I forget exactly what I was doing but Micaiah was kind of playing in the other room with his trucks and he he put that down and he walks over to me and and he just kind of looks at me funny and so I was like what's what's up buddy and he said this, this is a direct quote. He said daddy stop what you're doing right now. He said put those dishes away. You go relax Go sit down. Go kick your feet up. I will take care of the rest of the dishes. You relax. When I'm finished this, I'll swing back, and I'll check and see if there's anything else you need me to do. Maybe I can do some vacuuming or clean the bathroom. Like, whatever. That, that's a direct quote. That's, that's what he said to me. And I was astounded. Like, he had never spoken to me like that. Basically, everything that he said to me up until that point, no, I'm just joking. None of that happened. Some of you are like, did he actually say that? no. My two-year-old did not speak in fluent sentences. The truth is, the way that Micaiah often speaks to me is it's more like this. It's more things like, Daddy, chase you, which means I'm going to start running, and I don't care what you're doing, chase me all over the house for the next four hours. Or he'll say something like, Daddy, with you, which means drop everything and i have to come show you this because this will change your life this is the craziest thing you've ever seen daddy with you he wants me to go and follow him or he says uh, daddy go pick up and that's usually when he has been asking for something and we give it to him and he throws it immediately and he says daddy pick it up and like that's that's the thing and you'll notice a little bit of a theme with how Micaiah acts and how he talks, it is all about him. It is very self-centered. It is very selfish and all about Micaiah because that's how two-year-olds are. And if you'll allow me to get a little personal for a second, I think that speaks a little bit to how all of us actually are. And I don't mean that all of us have the maturity level of an almost two-year-old, but what I mean is that all of us, naturally, as human beings, we are all a little bit prideful, a little bit self-centered, a little bit me-focused. And so we go through our lives, and we sometimes put up this, this facade, this facade, I guess, is of I'm just about the people, I'm about others. But really, on the inside, it's about us. It's about me. Even those who maybe are a little bit more naturally inclined to to serve others. You know, Paul in Romans 12, he talks about spiritual gifts and he talks about how there is a spiritual gift of serving. There are some of those who have this indwelling of the Holy Spirit that gives them this natural tendency to want to serve other people. But even in those people, the fact is that pride and selfishness are still the underlying conditions of humanity. Now, is this a byproduct of the climate that we live in here in the West, you know, the the social and the cultural climate? Perhaps, but I think it actually goes a little bit deeper than that. And John Ortberg, in the book, he actually says that this natural condition of pridefulness, of self-centeredness, of selfishness that we live in, he actually says that it's our oldest sin. And if you go all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis 3, the fall we see that this is that first, oldest sin that humans have struggled with. The Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, the enemy, Satan, he approaches Eve, and he says, did God really say? Did God really say don't eat from the tree? Did God really say that you would uh, not become like God? A- and essentially this question that Satan asks in the Garden of Eden is one that has continued Throughout history. And it's a question that has eroded the trust that humans place in God. And it results in us choosing to go our own way. Choosing to supersede the sovereign, the all-powerful will of God. And we place our will and our desires and our goals above others and even above God's. And this overflow of this need to kind of have this control and, and, and be in charge of our lives all the time. It, the overflow is that, is this cycle of pride and selfishness and self-centeredness. And because we've been born into this, we need to be willing to take some drastic measures so that we can combat against this condition ever-worsening. But how do we fix this? What What is the cure for this pride that we have naturally been born with? Well, according to Ortberg again, and... Paul, in in the letter of Philippians, the antidote of pride is actually humility. Ortberg writes this. He says, humility has to do with submitted willingness. But that leads to a further question, a, a submitted willingness to what? And I believe that Paul gives us the answer to that question in Philippians 2, verse 3 to 8. It says this, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That's a really easy one for us to, to take, right? Yeah, just have the same attitude as Christ. Like it's, I don't know what your problem is, man. Just have the same attitude of Christ. It's not that easy. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, going back to that opening, Philippians 1, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. See, Paul says if pride is the disease and if humility is the antidote, well, then the treatment plan is a submitted willingness to a life that follows Jesus' example to radically serve others. But why serving? Why serving? Well, first this morning, I believe that serving shapes our perspective of ourselves. If you're taking notes, that's kind of that the first big idea this morning, that serving shapes our perspective of ourselves. Ortberg writes this, he says, the primary reason Jesus calls us to servanthood is not just because other people need our service, it's because of what happens to us when we serve. See, we often approach our lives, and I would even say even further, our faith, from a very individualistic approach. You know, that's how we read scripture, that's how we pray, that's even how we attend church and participate in life within the local church context it's, it's about us. It's how, wh- what is it about us? How, how do, what do we bring to the table? But if you rem- remember last month when Pastor Tom was talking about prayer, and he was going through the Lord's Prayer, how Jesus models prayer for us, but really, when Jesus starts his prayer by saying, Our Father, I believe it's so much more than just prayer that Jesus is modeling for us, but it's actually he's modeling for us how you and I are to live our lives. And it's not my father, but it's our father. See, sh- serving shapes our perspective of ourselves because it places us into the proper context that we belong to a body of believers, that we actually belong to a community. We are not our own. We are not an isolated island of a human, but we actually belong in a greater body of believers. We're in this together. In You know, reading our Bibles and and praying and that's all important on an individual level. You know, having that personal relationship with Jesus, that's incredibly important. But we can't isolate that and put that on our own islands. We actually have to bring that back into the context of, you know, we are in a greater situation than just isolated and out on our own in the wilderness. No, we are together with a body of believers the body of believers, that's a, a big part of what Paul talks about throughout Romans 12. You know, he, he mentions this idea of, of, you know, when one part of the body doesn't operate at full capacity, there's a domino effect that actually trickles down to the rest of the body, and, and the rest of the body becomes sick, or, or at the very least, it's not operating at full health. I, I mentioned a couple minutes ago that I got hit with some crazy food poisoning on Monday night. And I will spare you details. I promise you that. But what I can say is this, that my stomach, something within my gut was out of whack. It was out of place. Something wasn't operating at full capacity. And I'll tell you what, the rest of my body felt the impacts of that. I mean, my back hurt. My hips hurt. My shoulders were all tense up. My neck was, I, I felt like I was walking around like this. My head was pounding. I could barely stand up. I was in bed all day. I was weak. And so this idea of Paul talking about in Romans 12, how if one part of the body is out of place or out of whack, and it impacts the rest of the body, man, that resonates with me this week because I physically felt that. It, y- you know, it was even up until yesterday. Th- you know, it hit me Monday night. Yesterday even, like, we went to Olive Garden in Sioux Falls, And normally I eat for about four hours straight. Just eat, eat, eat. I was done after like two breadsticks. So I was still feeling the impacts of this food poisoning because one area of my body was not operating at full capacity. Paul says this, Romans 12, verse 3. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, when he says, do not think of yourself more highly, there's a difference that we have to establish here, because there's a difference between that heart and that attitude of humility compared to having a low opinion of oneself. See, we live in, in a culture where people are either quick to celebrate themselves for what they believe sets them apart, or... We go the complete opposite direction where we hide and, you know, sometimes in shame, sometimes in insecurity. But we, we place, you know, the things that we have been given in terms of our gifts and we, we hide them. We don't use them. We, we, we tuck them away. We, we're ashamed of them, perhaps. And we do that same thing in the church when it comes to serving. Either we can fall into that category of, you know, we, we're doing this because this, this body needs me. This, these people need me. Or we we maybe shrink back and don't do anything because we think, what can I actually bring to the table? And Paul's saying we actually need to find that happy place, that happy middle ground where we're using our gifts. But it's because we know that our body, our community, actually needs us to be bringing what we have to the table. See, serving shapes our perspective of ourselves. It shows us, it reminds us of our value and our identity as an important part of the body of Christ. So serving shapes our perspective of ourselves. Second this morning, serving shapes our character. Serving shapes our character. William Booth, maybe you know his name, he was the founder of the Salvation Army Church And he became a Christian when he was 15 years old. And at that time, he wrote this line in his diary. He said, God shall have all there is of William Booth. And he really spent the rest of his days living that out, giving all that he was for God to use. And in the later years of his ministry, Booth really struggled mightily with his eyesight. It began to dwindle. And the story is told of his son going to him when the doctors were saying that he was actually going to fully go blind, and his son, whose name was Bramwell, said to him, Dad, you are going to be permanently blind. And yet William Booth, despite receiving news that he was about to go blind, he responded by saying, I've done what I could for God and others with my eyes. Now I shall do what I can for God and others without my eyes. And see, William Booth, He lived to serve the needs of others. That was the the driving force of his life. And when you and I live this way, something happens to us on the inside. We begin to develop strength. There's growth that takes place. There's a maturing process that begins within us. And because William Booth understood that and and he lived that outward life of service, he didn't turn inward and, and you know, mope and complain when he experienced this hardship because he had served. He understood that serving actually shaped him on the inside so that he would be able to respond in faith at the moment difficulty arose in his life. In the letter of Philippians, it's this work that Paul writes to the church in the city of Philippi, and, and it's known as his joy letter. It's it's a letter that is filled with joy, and and I find it interesting that in Paul's letter of joy, a major theme that you see underneath this idea of joy is that there is actually joy found in serving, and I find that interesting because that's a pretty countercultural perspective from the one that you look at the world that we live in today. But Paul writes this, Philippians one verse six. He says, I. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And what we see here in this verse is that Paul is actually alluding to an endpoint, that there is a a target or a destination that we are being aimed at, and we may never fully appreciate or understand what that endpoint or destination is. We may never actually even reach that place or that moment on this side of eternity. But we know that in order to reach this place one day, that it's not found in elevating ourselves or or putting our needs above the needs of others. In fact, we are more shaped and formed when we choose to live a life that serves because we know that as we serve people, God begins to shape us and move us along in our journey to that place that he is calling us, that place of transformation, that place of becoming the people that he has called us to be. It's when we take that form of a slave, submitted willingness to humility that chooses to serve others. And as we do this, as we choose to live this way, we begin to notice things. We, we notice that it becomes, becomes a lot more difficult to want your will or your desires to win out over those of others. We, we begin to find it a little more difficult to, you know, speak the truth in love as Christians sometimes tend to do or to always want to get that last word in. It, it becomes not as necessary to make sure that every little wrong or every time you're slighted that you get back at that person because you ultimately know that, you know, God will take care of you in the end. But it's that maturing, that transforming, that formation that God begins to do within you and within me. And that happens as we begin to live lives that serve. Shifting out of that naturally sinful and prideful self-centered condition that we've been born into. And becoming more Christ-like with our character. Responding in patience. Having a, a better attitude towards those that are maybe more difficult... I've heard, it called, I've heard people like that referred to as EGR people, extra grace requ- required people. I know some people look at me as an EGR person. But as your character is formed and shaped, you begin to have more patience and grace with those people. Your love for others grows. You're willing to be interrupted and take on thankless roles. Pastor Thomas was talking about that a little bit last week. But like anything in life, serving requires commitment not something that we simply think about and hope for and poof, it happens. No, it requires that we will commit to it. This is what Paul writes. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, but that's just the beginning part of the equation because he continues. He says, keep putting into practice All you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Philippians 4 8 through 9. See, if we have this desire to change our lifestyle, for example, it's going to require action steps. Maybe you'll have to cut out certain foods or lay off soda or pop, depending on which side of that conversation you fall on. At the very least, switch to the zero sugar version. Maybe you have to implement exercise, or or if you take on a home renovation project, you have to plan it out, plan out the teardown. You have to make sure that you have the proper materials to begin the renovation. You, You set up a game plan. If you're a farmer, I'll be honest, I don't know the process. There's so many involved, but I know that there is a process, and you have to follow the steps, and you have to commit to it if you want to see the results. And in the same way, if we desire for God to shape us in our character, our heart, then we need to be willing to commit to this lifestyle of character, serving others, because that's where we experience transformation. But this commandment to serve, this this call by God and by Paul to live as a servant to others, it's not just for the sake of serving. Not only will serving shape our perspective of ourselves, not only will it shape our character, but serving will bear fruit. Serving will bear fruit. Verses 10 to 11 in Philippians 1, Paul says, For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. And then if you jump down a couple of verses, 20 to 22, he continues and he says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or Or die, for to me, Paul says, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But then he finishes with this. He says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. He writes a lot about this idea, serving Paul. And uh, in Romans 7, verse 4, he writes, so my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you're united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Another translation of that verse says, in order that we may bear fruit for God. See, there's a purpose for our serving, and it's that there will be a great fruit that is produced from your life and my life. In the economy of the world, the formula goes something like this. It says if you work hard, if you do things the right way, you can achieve anything. You will be comfortable. You will be able to obtain that which you believe you need to make you happy. You know, it's, it's that American or, or I would even say that Western dream. But in the economy of heaven, it's different. In the kingdom of heaven, that's not how it operates because it's actually that If we want to live lives of great substance and impact, a life that bears much fruit, it requires effort, but it's effort that's aimed outward. It's effort that serves, that gives our lives, that lays down our resources, our time, that which is precious to us. Not so that we might gain something, but so that others in the body, others in our community, that others would gain from it. So what, what are a couple practical examples of fruit? When we are willing to live this life that, that surrendered, this submitted willingness to serving others, what might happen? What might be produced from that? Well, I believe we could probably list off 100, but I just want to do three really quickly. I believe there's unity that comes when we serve all together. You know, Paul has this theme of togetherness and unity for the purpose of bearing fruit in the kingdom of God. Uh, verses 27 to 28. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. When we serve, it brings unity amongst the people. I believe also there's just a practical meeting of needs. You know, we, we don't serve others in order for them to promote us or promote ourselves to others but we serve so that we can simply meet the needs of people around us. I was listening to a, a podcast a couple weeks ago and there's a, a preacher named Corey Russell and he was quoting this the verse in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 and And he started, you know, he says, though he was rich, he became poor, talking about Jesus, so that in our poverty, we might become rich. And he said, we stop there as Western Christians, but we have riches in Christ so that we may be poured out to others living in literal or spiritual poverty. You know, we serve so that we can practically meet the needs of people around us. And who better to demonstrate this than Jesus? You know, you look at the story of, Jesus in Mark ten, he is talking with his disciples James and John. They want to see. They want to sit at the right hand of Jesus. And Jesus actually rebukes them and he says, "Hey, if you want to be great, you actually have to become last. You actually have to become least. Become a slave to all." And we so often kind of zoom in on that scene because it's an incredible one. But if you go to the very next scene, Jesus goes out and he does this very thing that we're talking about. He encounters Bartimaeus who is blind who has been ignored by people probably for years, and Jesus heals him. You know, he meets a physical need that somebody was experiencing. Serving meets needs. Serving also brings the kingdom of heaven here to earth. Pastor Tom was talking about this in that sermon about the Lord's Prayer a couple weeks ago. And he was talking about the, you know, we, we often link the authority aspect When we we talk about that prayer and, you know, we have authority in the kingdom of heaven. But Pastor Tom was saying that Sunday that we can't forget that there's an aspect of a priest or a servanthood within the kingdom of heaven. And you and I are calling as followers of Jesus, we are to help complete the work that Jesus began, the work that is continuing to this day of bringing heaven here to earth and that it's our serving others that we begin to see the environments around us begin to shift, whether that's in our homes or our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, our city, state, and beyond. So unity, meeting of needs, bringing the kingdom of heaven, these are just a few things that God produces in our lives when we're willing to serve. So what does this matter? You know, what? What? what is... The point, you know, it's sure serving shapes our perspective of ourselves and it shapes our character and, and it produces fruit, but but for what purpose? Well, Paul in Philippians 2, you know, he's, I read that verse a little while ago. He, he's reminded us that we need to have the same attitude of Christ. but He expands on that throughout chapter 2 and then he gets into chapter 3 and he writes this. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. When we live in this countercultural way of living, choosing to serve others, we look forward to this heavenly prize, to the the bringing down the kingdom of heaven here on earth, to that reward that awaits us. Any perceived loss or detriment to ourselves that we might experience from laying our lives down, submitted willingness, that passes away when we recognize that we're doing it with the understanding that God is calling us to a heavenly prize. It kind of reminds me of that picture that Maybe you've seen of a, a small child standing before God, and they're holding this small teddy bear. And God is standing in for front of this child, and, and it appears that God is saying, give me the teddy bear. Would, would you give me the teddy bear? And, and the child says something along the lines of, you know, but God, I love this. This is mine. I, I, I want to keep it. But what the child doesn't see is that behind God's back, he has this giant, upgraded, incredible teddy bear. And it's just this exchange that if we would be willing to lay this thing down, lay down our pride, lay down our selfishness, lay down our desire to need to be served, if we would lay that down, God is saying, I have something so much better for you and for, for me. He says, I have a life that is truly worth living. And he, he invites us into this uh participation of life that serves others so that we could become like him, so that we can experience the true fullness of life here in this earth. My in-laws were in town this past week, and uh, my father-in-law, he's a minister as well, and he was asking me a little bit about what I was going to be speaking on, and when I told him I was talking about this idea of serving, he said this. He said, You know, you can learn a lot and you can tell a lot about someone and their attitude about serving when you see how they respond to moments where others treat them as if they are a servant. And I thought that's a powerful thought to grasp as we wrap up this morning. That being a servant to others isn't always going to result in receiving thanks or recognition or praise. But when we begin to shift our mindset from focusing on those things and those being the driving force behind why we serve others, and rather when we allow the incredible joy that God has available to us that's only found in serving, that's a life that God calls us to live. He wants us to serve other people, and that can be uncomfortable. You know, I think of the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. And it's messy. But when we decide to follow Jesus' example, when we take Paul's words and apply them to our hearts and our lives, we begin to see that our perspective is shaped, that our character is shaped, and that a beautiful fruit is produced from your life and from my life. It doesn't even have to be on a stage, it doesn't have to be in a place of incredible um, prestige doesn't even have to result in huge impact or influence. But what if we began to think about serving with the goal of, hey, maybe one person's life will be changed. Maybe my neighbor's life will be changed. Or the person that I sit across from work. My aunt, my brother, my parents, my son, my daughter. So I want to leave you with a couple questions as we wrap up. What is your attitude towards serving others? H- how do you approach it? Are you more naturally falling in that selfish category of you, you don't go out of your way to serve others? Or, or maybe you're somebody who has that spiritual gift and you just you love serving people. But what is your heart? What is your attitude towards serving other people? Second question is this. What might be holding you back from living a life that focuses on others? Is it insecurity? Is it a lack of resources? Is is it simply you just don't know what you should do? Maybe this week, spend some time. Surrender those things to God. God, I'm afraid of stepping out and serving the people around me. God, I I don't actually have the resources to be able to serve others. But when you live in submitted willingness to God, a heart that wants to serve others, those things begin to melt away. You begin to see that God has actually given you great opportunity to serve. So what's holding you back? And, And the last question is this. What is something, practically speaking, this week that you can do to serve somebody? I know here within this body, Restoration Church, I know there's many opportunities, whether it's in the nursery or kidsmen, whether it's helping at the worship team or, or hospitality. Maybe it's the setup team. This needs to be all set up every Sunday morning and taken down at the end. Maybe it's helping up here in, in the technical area with sound or the projector or the live stream. I, I know next week, Pastor Tom's going to really bring some ideas about what it looks like to go beyond the walls of the church. But maybe even this week, you can begin to be thinking, you know, outside of Restoration Church, we'd encourage you, get plugged in, serve somewhere within this body of believers. But also then go beyond that. What's a practical area in your neighborhood or workplace or school that you can serve other people this week? So Jesus, thank you that you are, the ultimate example of what it means to serve. And Lord, we don't do it perfectly, but we know that we are called to step into a life that does the same. And so Jesus, I pray that you would help us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to move in my heart, that you would begin to chip away those areas of my life that I've maybe grown cold towards serving, God, I want to live like you did. I want to put myself within the proper perspective. I want to live in humility, but I also don't want to shy away from using the gifts that you've given me to serve other people. So God, help me to find that balance. Help us to find that balance. God, as we do that, I pray that you would shape us into the image that you created us to be. Maybe there's habits or attitudes that need to fall away. And God, I pray that as we serve, that that would happen, that we'd be shaped to be more like you. God, help us to bear fruit, to impact lives, even if it's just one. God, help us to bear great fruit, keeping in mind all along, God, that we are serving because you're calling us towards that heavenly prize, that there is great reward waiting for us when we partner our lives with you and serve people bringing them along with us as we seek after you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for the time that we've had this morning. God, anything that I said that was of you, I pray that would land in hearts and in minds. Anything that was extra, God, would that just fade away this week, forgotten not to be used or necessary? Love you, Jesus. Thank you for this morning that we've had together. Pray that as we go in the next few moments, Lord, that you would go before us, that you'd open up opportunities for us to serve people this week. Help us to see those moments, take advantage of them when they come. We love you, Jesus. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you are a guest, again, I want to remind you to stop at the table out in the hall where you can get the gift and also any information. There's offering baskets and other information at the table out there. And Thanks for joining us. Hope to see you next week where we continue our series about serving. God bless everybody.